Well, good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's again. Whether you're joining us online or in person, we're just so thrilled you're here. We're now in week three of our preaching series, This is Jesus, looking at the most Googled man in the world through the lens of the first century eyewitness writer Mark and what this Jesus means for our daily lives. Whether you're spiritually curious or you're critical, or maybe you've already decided to throw your lot in with him already. Last week, Tyler showed us a Jesus holding up the powerlessness of a child, calling us to downward mobility. And you can catch up on YouTube if you missed it. And today, we heard one of those passages of scripture that never make it onto your Christmas card or your Instagram page, right? It's a grim one. Exorcisms, Taliban-style mutilation, and the fires of hell thrown in for good measure. What's going on? How could this possibly be good news? And why pay attention for the next 14 minutes? Well, Albert Einstein. If I were given one hour to save the planet, I would spend 59 minutes defining the problem and one minute resolving it. In the Harvard Business Review, Dwayne Spaulding wrote this. When developing new products, processes, or even businesses, most companies are not sufficiently rigorous in defining the problem they're attempting to solve and articulating why those issues are important. Mark chapter 9 puts some dark and violent words in the mouth of Jesus. And disorienting as they initially are, I think what Jesus is trying to do here is help us diagnose the problem underneath all our other daily life problems. You know, our insecurities, our fears of failure, our strained and broken relationships, concerns about money, real life. Jesus is not trying to help us develop new products or even necessarily save the planet, but this Jesus, this Jesus, does want us to know what is at stake in how we live our lives and how we try to find significance and success. And as we'll see, Jesus may not be asking us to take him literally with self-mutilation and the fires of hell, but he sure as hell is asking us to take him seriously. Together, let's look at the problem underneath all our other daily problems and see how significance and success is found through suffering and sacrifice. If you have your Bible on your phone, feel free to pull it up, or the pew Bible in front of you. You might want to keep it open, Mark chapter 9, 38 to 50. It's page 45 in the pew Bible. Chronologically, we are now, uh, these are the last words that Jesus says while he's in Galilee, which is his home turf. And he's now going to travel south through Judea, where torture and death awaits him in Jerusalem. And our passage is part of the final leadership seminar that he gave to his top 12 team starting last week by pointing to a little child. And Jesus is training them up before he's going to leave them. 
it would be better for you. He says four times, describing several awful things that would be better for them than to cause a little one to stumble. And little one, in the original Greek here, means a disciple, someone like me and you who's learning how to follow Jesus, or to cause themselves to stumble. Better to become a cripple, says Jesus, and limp into the life that God wants for you. That's better than being healthy, but completely separated from God's love and God's goodness to be in hell. Take me seriously, says Jesus, if not literally. And he's using Hebrew hyperbole and exaggeration to grab our attention in this passage because we're clearly told elsewhere in Scripture to avoid self-mutilation. And what Jesus wants us to take seriously, which is really good news, is that our lives are designed to have significance and success. You want a life of meaning and impact? We can have that. Because deciding to follow Jesus is no casual thing. This is a life and death decision. Like, literally. Quite obviously for those first disciples, because things were about to get ugly with the religious and political authorities of the day, but things would also get ugly if the disciples didn't take themselves seriously enough. You don't get days off as a disciple, Jesus makes clear. Days when you can decide to just tell casually racist jokes, hoard your investment windfall, enjoy your resentment about how your friend mistreated you, or withhold forgiveness from your boyfriend. You can't have your mic on when you're preaching. There we go. Fantastic. Thank you. You can't decide as a disciple of Jesus to just blow off steam by watching a little porn, tear someone down on Twitter, or shrug your shoulders about climate change. American preacher and writer Barbara Brown Taylor puts it like this. Everything disciples do has consequences. Everything we say counts. We're either part of the good news or we are simply bad news. But we are neither invisible nor insignificant. Our lives matter. Our words matter. We have power we don't even know about. And if we cause it, if we use it to cause anyone to stumble, to lose faith, to question God, to pull away from the light, then it's better that we would be better off at the bottom of the sea. The good news in this dark passage is that we are designed to have lives of significance and success. We have power we don't even know about. But there is a problem underneath all our other problems which Jesus is warning us to take seriously because it can create other people, can cause other people to stumble. And he's trying to help us diagnose the underlying problem. I'll cut to the chase because Jesus did. He's already laid it out. Mark 8, 34. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. By the time we get to Mark 9, Jesus has already told his team twice that he's going to be rejected by the establishment, tortured, 
and die. And the issue was the disciples still hadn't grasped that if they wanted to be his followers, they too were going to have to suffer and sacrifice. The problem underneath all our other problems is that we look for significance and success just like those first disciples. The problem is we use the wrong methods. Let me show you. So those first disciples, they were a total mess, right? Last week, we saw them self-absorbed, jockeying for position and prestige. I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And you and I, we're not usually quite as blatant, but British cartoonist Ashley Brilliant is speaking truth when he wrote this. All I ask of life is a constant and exaggerated sense of my own importance. If the disciples had grasped that Jesus meant it when he said he was walking towards his own death in Jerusalem, they would have realized how ludicrous it was to shove and push to be right behind him in the procession. Our passage this morning opens with the disciples complaining that someone without the right credentials, not part of the inner circle, was casting out demons. But what's really going on in this passage it's one little word. Listen to this, verse 38. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and he was not following us. Us, us, not Jesus. They were worried they weren't following them. And their concern on the surface, it sounds legit. This is an unauthorized exorcist going rogue. Someone could get hurt. No, 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 no. The real issue was the disciples' own personal insecurity. Because just before this incident, the disciples had tried to cast out a demon and they'd failed. Their own insecurities and failures caused them to judge and to want to exclude. Our insecurities, yours, mine, they are the source of all prejudice, all exclusion. And if the disciples had realized that the suffering and sacrifice that Jesus was about to undergo, well, that that was God's gift, God's gift to humanity, gift to creation. That, as our Book of Common Prayer so beautifully puts it, his death was a full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice and oblation for the sins of the whole world. If that's true, how ridiculous to be whining and trying to exclude someone who simply didn't have the same training as you. And then we have the Hebrew hyperbole on full volume. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and thrown into hell. We don't take ourselves seriously enough, Jesus says. We have power. We can use it to be part of the good news or the bad news in other people's lives. And there are sinful patterns and behaviors in my life and yours. Shrugging at climate change, holding on to resentments, casual racism, that we, we tend to tolerate. We might feel vaguely bad about it, but we don't really take any steps to deal with it in our lives. Take yourself far more seriously than that, because those first disciples, they were a mess self-absorbed, insecure, judgmental, 
tolerant with their own destructive habits and sins? Sound like anyone you know? And I don't mean the person sitting in front of you in the pew or beside you on the couch. And friends, my point is not to start listing off all that ails us. Because most of us, if we turn off Netflix and spend even a few minutes in quiet, we know full well what our own personal list consists of. What Jesus is trying to do here is get underneath all those problems. If I were given one hour to save the planet, I'd spend 59 minutes diagnosing the problem and one minute resolving it. Underneath our insecurities, our self-destructive habits and sins is our failure to understand that if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to find significance and success, then just like him, we are headed to the cross as well. That significance and success, it comes through suffering. It comes through sacrifice. And to the degree that you and I fail to grasp what this means for our daily lives is the degree to which all our other problems are going to flourish. And when we begin to glimpse that we're not only being offered the benefits of Jesus' death on the cross, forgiveness, peace, hope, identity. If this is new to you, sign up for our Alpha course. But once we begin to glimpse that not only the benefits are for us, but that suffering and sacrifice is also the path for us, then significance and success, it's within our grasp which then makes sense of one of the hardest parts of that passage. It's at the very end. For everyone will be salted with fire. There's only one other place in the Bible where salt and fire come together. It's in the book of Leviticus. And it talks about when offering a sacrifice that you would salt it before you put it in the fire. And our lives are designed to be lived as sacrifices poured out for other people. This is how we will find significance and success. Let me end with a few examples. In your relationships, maybe a close friendship or a marriage, first of all, you won't throw in the towel at the first sign of trouble or suffering because you know that feelings, they ebb and they flow. And relationships aren't all sunshine and daisies over the years. An important aside, I am not talking here about an abusive relationship. But you will, you will bring an attitude of humility and sacrifice to any arguments or disagreements you're having. Humility that you just might be the person in the wrong. Because Jesus says we're all in the same boat. Sinners, every single one of us. Sacrifice. You're willing to let some issues go. You'll go the extra mile to bring joy to your friend or your partner. And you'll set aside your needs for the sake of theirs. Humility and sacrifice is the key to success in all our personal relationships. And it's the key to success at work. Humility. Might I actually learn something from my colleagues? I'd better ask not always needing recognition or being in the spotlight. Sacrifice, going that extra mile, 
giving the best of yourself to whatever work we've been given to do. And the same method, sacrifice and suffering, it's also how we find significance. And significance, I must be clear, in the eyes of God. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And thank goodness God does not measure things the way that you and I do. If you give an increasing amount of your time and your income away to serve the poor, it will mean sacrificing other things that you want, things you've been looking forward to. And if you make certain ethical decisions at work, I decide not to take a particular client or work reasonable hours so you can invest time in spiritually nurturing your children and your grandchildren. Your career will suffer, it will. But you will have significance and meaning. Take that to the bank. This is a tough passage from the writer Mark. I have to admit I rolled my eyes when I read it on Monday. But underneath the hyperbole and the violence, this is Jesus giving us good news. Good news that we have power, that our lives can have significance and meaning, and that the path to that significance and meaning is suffering and sacrifice. It's a path that doesn't look like what the world offers. I get that. But that's okay. Because what the world offers, it has an expiry date, and frankly, it's super expensive. It like costs your soul. This Jesus, this Jesus, he offers us God's riches for free. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, come to the bread and the wine today. They are symbols of sacrifice and suffering. Come, take the bread and say yes to significance and meaning. Thanks be to God. Amen.